This is episode 93 with Chad Boshaw. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I am your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, forever athlete, and personal performance coach. Today, I sit down with a renowned physical therapist, certified sports specialist, and founder of Repair Sports Institute, Chad Boshaw. Chad is a firm believer in the more than movement mission, and that's why I want to bring him on here today. He integrates a holistic health approach that incorporates breathwork, acupuncture, chiropractic care, and spiritual coaching into the treatments of his pro athletes across the Southern California area here. We dive into where his treatment philosophy stems from, his own journey with non-traditional medicines. That's an interesting one and how we can start to incorporate more Eastern medicine practices to improve our own performance. So let's dive into it. Welcome to another episode. Chad, how are we doing, man? I appreciate you coming down here and joining me in person. It's great to see you. Yeah, good, good, man. Very good. It was a little bit of a hike, but you know, worth worth the travels to tell the story and have a little chat today. I was about to say, you've been all over. We'll dive into, obviously, your immersive experience in Costa Rica. But before we even get to that, how'd you get to this moment? What's your background? How'd you get into PT and really the unique style of medicine that you're bringing and changing the world with here? Yeah, absolutely. So originally from Michigan, you know, I grew up playing pretty much every sport, you know, initially soccer and then transitioned into to football, which was really my first passion. And, and with football, as we know, it's pretty can be violent sport, a lot of injuries throughout high school, going into undergrad where I played at Central Michigan for a little bit. And in a short order, realized, you know, if I wanted to continue on, I was going to be very tough on my body. And after multiple surgeries already, you know, that was, that was kind of the end of the line from uh, higher level sports. With that, I went into a lot of physical therapy and, and knew I wanted to go down the sports medicine route. I really was fascinated by the higher level type of medicine where you're a lot more one-on-one with the clients, getting to know them personally, and not only helping them with their injuries, but really progressing them to become a better athlete overall. And that was really you know, the, the, how I got down the path of physical therapy. I think it was my sophomore year of undergrad, I looked up you know, what were the top PT schools in the country, USC being, you know, the number one for, I think it was 10 years at that time. And so right then and there, I applied to grad school when I was a sophomore. They're like, you're nuts. You have to graduate. And I'm like, no, I, I understand, but I'm going to go to your school. And lo and behold, I got into USC and, and it was a great foundation. They really pride themselves on research, you know, so that a lot of the, the, the treatment techniques that they use are very research-based, which being a scientific, logical type thinker, you know, it made sense to me. After USC, I I was still very hungry to learn. Fortunately, I got to work with the football team a little bit. John Meyer, Dr. John Meyer, who was with Seattle and and Pete Carroll, you know, they were all at USC at that time now up in Seattle. Mm. So I got a lot of great mentoring and in a collaborative form where meaning the doctor the MD is with the PTs and the athletic trainers and the nutritionists and acupuncture massage. And that was really, you know, the first time that I got to see it at that level. And that was, you know, basically a light bulb going off in my head. Like that's more of what I want to do. And as I graduated from USC with my doctorate, I went on to the university of Cincinnati and worked with their college football team, got more hands-on experience. That was under Dr. Bob Mangine, who is a genius, you know, one of the best in the field as far as researching the way Western physical therapy is done. And moving on from there, you know, the original plan was I want to go in the NFL. I want to be doing all this stuff. And in a short order, it was like, man, you know, 15 hours a day, you get pretty burnt out pretty quick. And so I moved back to Orange County. I worked at a sports clinic in Orange County, you know, one of the best sports clinics there. And and I was there for three years and it was a great learning experience. But after about a year and a half, I don't necessarily think it was, you know, something I wasn't able to do, but it, it just seemed that my mind was, yeah, we're helping them on the physical side, you know, the Western medicine side at that time is kind of the way I viewed it. But there was so much more to be done. And at that time, I really didn't know what that was. But I I think it was probably just the empath within me was telling me, no, you need to learn a lot more. And after about three years of being there, I, I took the jump. I was shoved off the bridge, per se, or off the cliff. And I started my own business in Huntington Beach with no money, really no connections, no idea what I was doing. 
But I did have this like fire inside of me saying you need to have a collaborative approach to actually heal. You know, Western medicine is great at managing symptoms, but not so much at healing. It's really not even a target in most cases. And that's really how Repair Sports Institute, my company, started in 2016. And, you know, it's been a work in progress from there, but really the mindset being mind, body, and spirit, you know, really going after and how can we, number one, merge all these things together in a collaborative approach with multiple disciplines all under one roof, which, you know, is out there. However, we have a system that we are implementing. And so somebody coming into that system really is getting that full collaborative approach. And we have seen nothing but amazing results from these people going through the full system and it's been awesome and more specifically the last you know three or four years i've spent a lot a lot of time teaching myself and and getting it done to me more eastern medicine more energy type work and honestly it's it's got me all excited all over again and that is really my my target to continue to learn and implement into repair to really change you know the game as far as rehab the way it is today it's beautiful, yeah. that journey. I mean, you could have gone way more in detail there. But what I biggest takeaway for me, I think it's super awesome to always meet someone that is actually practicing what they're preaching and practicing what they're teaching. It's obviously you're a lifelong learner at yeah. this point. How have you implemented your own experiences into opening people's mind to this alternative approach? Because like you said, there is this stigma, there is this old way of thinking that it's got to be physical only, treatment only, rather than being proactive in a lot of senses. How have you kind of tackled that problem with repair? Yeah, it's, that's a great question, you know, because there is, we track the different kinds of clientele in, right? And, mm-hmm. and some are very open to you saying, we're going to help your chakras, right? And other people are like, my chakra, what? What, like, what is this thing, right? So there is a, a, a balance and, and there is a learning of your clients and developing rapport. But as far as my approach really is to be vulnerable with them and, and telling mm-hmm. my story and diving a little bit deeper into my personal experiences and why I felt with the four knee surgeries that I had and the multiple other surgeries why some of them didn't work and at no fault of any doctor or even the rehab, but just some of the energetic and emotional trauma that I was not letting go. And by telling them my story, I think really opens them up to be like, huh, he went to USC seems kind of all there. Like maybe he has something to this. And then when they start to get introduced to and do it a little bit themselves and get a little bit more, they're like, wow, I, I had no idea this existed. Yeah. And I think that's huge with the injuries you just brought up. There are this, there is this component of emotional trauma that is attached to these things. And we see it manifest itself in different ways in athletes. I'm sure with the people you've worked with, but most common, it's like that athlete that gets hurt and then they never fully trust themselves again. How do you walk through someone that's in that, those shoes that might need some, I don't know, practice in letting go of that trauma around the injury Although physically they're healed emotionally and mentally, there's still something that they're holding on to. Yeah. There. Yeah. And that's pretty much with everybody and, and definitely your, your higher level athletes too. You know, they're, if we're specifically talking about the NFL, as we see a lot of NFL guys, you know, they are literally trained for battle. And I'll use the reference with the military. We literally go have our military people go in boot camp and all the training and they're the government's job is actually to purposely disassociate their consciousness to their subconsciousness. And the majority of people, you know, throughout their life live in that disassociation, Mm -hmm. which we, you know, we can dive into a little later maybe, but that is what a, a warrior, that is what a professional athlete needs to do. And basically, you know, to summarize what that means is you're trying to remove the emotion in some senses out of these challenges and get them to be focused. You know, you could call that being on fire, right? Like NBA jam can't miss. Right. 
we teach them that way too. Like, you know, when you're in the zone and everything just seems to be going right, that's what we're trying to build on with you. And we have different techniques of doing that. Right. And so we'll do it from a physical standpoint, educating them on all that's going on, introducing them into acupuncture, which really helps with not only the physical, but the energy flow. And then we'll get them to yoga and breath work. We're teaching them meditation. And that's when we kind of, as we kind of warm them up, get them a little bit of vulnerability going. We go in and we start asking the questions and, and it's almost like just casual conversation about, you know, Mm -hmm. how's your girlfriend or how's your wife or how's, you know, business and this and that. And the next thing, you know, we're, we're really diving into a lot of this emotional trauma that is rather deep down inside and whether they know it or not, most of the time they don't because of that disassociation from conscious to subconscious. We dive into those things as we're doing breath work, as we're doing meditation, and that starts moving that energy and and pulling it from different areas, often deep in the gut, but several other areas. And and then that's how we start the energy process, cleansing, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. Often those deep kind of held onto energies, emotion and trauma can manifest in the physical form or vice versa. The physical injury can manifest in some deep energy, emotional trauma. I love that. And I think what's so beautiful about your approach, what I'm hearing is you're viewing everyone that you work with as a holistic human, not just being defined as whatever their title may be, whether they're an NFL quarterback starting in one of 32 teams or they're a firefighter, just an average Joe off the street that goes to see you. You treat them as a holistic person. Absolutely. Is that kind of the secret? <laughs> well, it seems pretty obvious, right? Yeah. Like, we, you know, you hear people say it all the time. Treat your neighbor like you want to be treated. Treat everybody, you know, like you should. But, man, you know, one of the things I learned, and, and I've heard this before, and, and when I was at Rhythmia down in Costa Rica, when somebody comes up to you and is like, Corey, so who are you? And often people will be like, well, you know, I'm a, I have a podcast and I do this and I'm from here and, and I'm married to this or dating this. It's like, no, no, who are you? And people honestly have a hard time really saying who they are, mm-hmm. right? They often use descriptors. Well, that's very commonplace and there's nothing wrong with that. But when you use that and you think about that conceptually, that's actually how we treat most of everybody and it doesn't mean you treat one person negatively or one person positively because of their title like a lot of people do but when you can remove all of that and you're truly working with individuals just on that deep soul energetic level everybody's the same and whether your problem is because you threw an interception in the super bowl or your problem is you're a stay-at-home mom and you're having a hard time getting your child ready for school. It doesn't matter. It's all perspective, right? Those perspectives for each of those individuals could be just as challenging, right? Just as happy, just as sad. So the, the titles and all those other things means absolutely nothing because the perspectives can be rather similar. And when you can at least remove that and start there, you're able to go a lot deeper, a lot sooner, and you make that connection, that rapport with your clients. And when you're able to activate that vulnerability, that's when the game gets rolling. I feel like we're 10 minutes in and I'm already (laughs) loving where this conversation is going, man. It's uh, one of my favorite icebreakers for the people that I work with is how would you define yourself beyond your job title? And it really starts that conversation around who you are as a person, because it's tough as, as athletes, as you experienced for what, 16 plus years of your life, you were, Hey, I'm Chad, the football player. For me, I was Corey, the swimmer. Then all of a sudden when we're forced to retire, whether it's injury or just the time is up and you graduate, it's so hard to transition out because for so long you were subconsciously ingraining this job title into you. How do you help people through that transition with what you do? Yeah. Another great question. That is, you know, identity, right? And Mm -hmm. we see it a lot where you have that, whether it's transitioning from done with high school sports or it's done with college or done with professional sports, right? that that football player or that swimmer you know now they're like well who am i 
And and it's really important to dive into those things. It's like, mm-hmm. well, well, who are you? Let's talk about that, right? And it's talking about, you know, character and, and truly what is the soul and, and who are you and how can we build on those things? And titles do not change character, right? Like character is ingrained in you. You can improve those things. You can work on improving those things in certain areas, but you know, the titles and the identity based on those titles is really important because I know me personally, even when I was done playing football, you know, luckily I was able to focus on school and that was, you know, giving me a purpose, but I for sure battled the being a football player, being active and and needing to work out, need healthy in preparation for the games. And then all of a sudden you remove that. I really struggled and I, I, I couldn't figure out who am I at that point. And I wish I had this back when I was going through that. I think it would have been a lot smoother. Yeah. I think when your actions are further from where that identity is, that's when we feel that struggle, that resistance. Yeah. Yes. So bringing those closer together, let me ask you this. Yeah. Who are you beyond the physical therapist and the, the person that you are yeah. without your job title? You know, it's, it's a great question. And, and, you know, for me, I, I truly believe that I am a light warrior, a healer at, at my core. I feel that I am a healer in, in many different ways. And that could be from an educational standpoint, educating people on this mission that I'm on healing people in the physical realm more from the Western, but really it's more than just educating and actually healing, healing being I'm a, a lifelong healer of myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I struggled with unconditional love for myself. So there was a lot of healing that needed to take place there. And I think that constant healing of myself really helps me stay on my path and stay on my mission, which ultimately is, you know, through repair and collaborating all of these things. And, and yeah, I mean, healer of my, my own healer of the world, healer of people and a teacher along the way, I really think is at, at the core of who I am. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And it's super cool. And you probably feel that sense of fulfillment, having a deeper understanding of clarity around that identity. And then where I think a lot of people need to do some work is it's so much focus on the to-do. It's so much focus on, I need to do this at work. I need to do this at home in this relationship, whatever it may be. What I'm hearing from your approach is you have such an understanding of who you are. So that's, if you can bring that focus into every action that you take and rather focus on the being in that moment rather than the doing, that's, I think, the secret to fulfillment. That is right? a secret I was going to say. Yeah, being in the moment. You know, you a lot of people say in the moment. And I yeah. think, you know, I wish more people truly understood what that meant. And that's another great example of things that I've struggled with. I, I, I know so often one of my very dearest friends and one of my energy workers, Justin, she when we started being around each other a lot, she noticed, and I didn't even pay attention, but I I kept using the phrases, oh, once I get here, everything is going to be so much better. Oh, once that happens, then I can relax. Then I can be at peace. And those are goals, right? And you're constantly setting these goals out there and being a very goal-oriented person. Mm. Even if I reach that goal, guess what? There's going to be 10 more beyond that. And so we often live our lives just trying to reach those goals and doing everything we possibly can to get to that next goal and really not living in the moment and just being, as you mentioned, and and learning who you are and truly trying to grow in all of those moments and enjoying everything that you're doing in order to get to that goal. And that to me ultimately is life and how to be happy along the way, even through the challenges and the quote unquote bad things, be grateful for those because those are some of your biggest lessons. And by going straight through them and appreciating them on the other side is is a lot of good often. Yeah. I love that. How have you combated that need to be so goal driven? Because I think athletes in particular, we, we really struggle with that. We've always had, like for me, it was the end of season meet goals. I needed to go certain time standards to qualify for the next meet, to get the scholarship, to get the team record, whatever it may be. How did you detach from that through your own journey 
Yeah. Are there certain practices that you've implemented on a day-to-day basis that's helped? Yeah. Yeah. And that's still something that we're always working on, right? Like, yeah. so this is also like reaching goals again. Like there's always more, right? And like from a, a spiritual standpoint, when you're, if you want to call it leveling up, you know, once you level up, it expands, right? And there's more to learn. It's not like you get to level seven and then you're at the top and you're just hanging out and everything's great, right? So there's there's always expansion. So one of the things that, you know, and for years I'm like, okay, how do I make that switch? And it's not like you need to start all over because goals are very important. Don't, don't let me get that, you know, wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Being goal-oriented is great and it really helps, you know, you to move forward. Now with that is not putting everything out there and I'm going to be happy once I reach that goal. It's being in the moment, the present, right? And a way I was able to do that is truly appreciating what you're executing at the time. Like this, for example, like I'm not thinking about, oh, when this is done, then we can get it out there and then see all the people, right? It's about truly having a great conversation, enjoying the conversation, being grateful, right? Gratitude is one of the things that for me personally, and it could be different for others, helps me stay focused and just truly soaking in that gratitude because it's so easy to go on to the next thing and then you forget even what you're grateful for. Mm. And, you know, some of the things that help me zoom in on that gratitude is breath work. You know, I try to do breath work every single morning a little bit while I'm, you know, driving, listening to music and then a little at night. Meditation, you know, you could combine breath work and meditation or some people do meditation standalone. Some people do it very quiet, calming the mind. That's probably the most common. In some cases, I'm a very active person and that helps me meditate. It could be drawing, Mm. you know, it could be just walking. So a lot of times that you think people think, oh, I can't meditate. I can't sit there. And it is challenging, but there's various other ways. And all of those practices really help you stay in the moment. And there's always different things to learn. And it's a little bit different for each person, but being mindful really helps you kind of stay in the moment. Yeah. I love how you brought up gratitude too, because that is an emotion that helps anchor us to the present moment. There's a couple more out there, whether it is like emotions like anger actually distance us from the moment and all that. So being aware around what kind of emotional intelligence you have and intentionally calling in those forms of emotion, I think that's a gem right there in introducing gratitude. That's why gratitude practices work so well. The other thing too I heard there that I love is finding what's right for you. I think that's foundational. If you're not a meditating person, if I tell you to go close your eyes for 20 minutes and sit in the corner, you're going to drive yourself absolutely bonkers for me personally i struggled a lot on my initial meditation journey Mm -hmm. it was i couldn't sit still for two minutes yet while i love swimming so much and being a distance swimmer i love just the moving meditation of staring at the black line i would swim a length flip repeat swim a length flip repeat and that to me was super meditative now i find it in running so i think everyone out there can find their form of meditation that doesn't mean that you have to be super Zen Buddha like. Right, exactly. <laughs> Sitting yep. cross legged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great points there. I mean, because there is so many different ways to do, and you touched on anger a little bit. And I'll go back to the talking about a disassociation from your conscious and subconscious. Now, to mm. me, the what has always made the most sense, and I, I hope I can do it somewhat justice, but being in alignment, you'll hear people talking about that and where your consciousness, you know, your brain, your mindfulness is connected to your subconsciousness. So your soul, you're deep within you. And when you're in that alignment and most often you can get there, whether it's through meditation or breath work or yoga, I mean, there's so eating healthy, working out that helps us stay in alignment. It helps our energy kind of flows through our system. When you are disassociated, when they're not in alignment, it's a little chaotic. So now you add in the emotion of anger Mm. and you truly ingrain that anger within you. It could be chaotic and helter skelter out here. You may throw things, you may yell and scream. And that's not that productive, not to mention scares other people right now. If you're in alignment, you can still have anger and that's okay. That's a, it's an emotion. But, you know, I think Untethered Soul was a book that I read that it it really, it's still 
in my brain and I'm trying to exactly understand it. But what I was basically stating is consciousness is right where like emotion touches consciousness and, and you get behind the feeling, but you don't let it consume you, right? Mm. Because there's two concepts. One, you don't want to just ignore an emotion, which often the masculine side does and you suppress it and then something else. Or, you know, you truly let it take over you and you're just either furious or you're a puddle of sadness and you can't do anything, right? So it's letting the emotion touch your consciousness, get behind it, feel it, process it, but don't let it consume you. You are not anger. You are Chad. That is anger, right? There's a different viewpoint there. And that to me has really helped, you know, those emotions coming in and, and processing them successfully. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's funny, you first mentioned disassociation almost in a negative light, yeah. but in that sense, disassociation between you and your emotions right. and knowing that it's not a permanent thing right. is actually the most freeing thing yes. in that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, a great example of how disassociation, it can mean two different things, but you know, often people will let those emotions fully consume them. But then on the other hand, you have the people that have no emotion mm -hmm. and over a given period of time, they don't even have happiness because they avoid all those challenging feelings that they have, which I have, you know, unfortunately with COVID, like why depression and, and suicide and all those things have went up so much is a lot of people aren't dealing with those emotions. You're just suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. And next thing you know, you can't feel anything. I was about to say, this forced pause for a lot of people forced us to really look in a mirror. And I think why it's been so challenging is people, that's the first time they've done that in a while and they don't yes. love what they're seeing yeah. in that moment. And all of a sudden, now they have this awareness of like, holy crap, what did I do? I mean, I, I went through that. I was like mm -hmm. on autopilot doing my old full-time job. And I was like, how did I get here? Right, right. <laughs> Am yeah. I truly happy? And when I asked those questions, I was like, I think there's more out there. Yeah. I think there's more to do. Yep. And what I love about your journey, you just got back from ayahuasca experience in Costa Rica. Yeah. For those not familiar, can you fill us in one on what that actually is? <laughs> yeah. And two, what was that experience like for sure. you? Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's an experience to say the least. And for me, it just showed up in my life a few different times. A close friend mentioned it to me, I want to say maybe two years ago and didn't think much of it. You know, mm -hmm. I've done a little bit of, you know, edibles and marijuana in the past, but no psychedelics. It just wasn't something that really intrigued me. And so when, you know, she brought it up, didn't think much of it. Then I had one of my energy workers out of Laguna Beach tell me, you know, a little bit about it. And I was like, didn't think much of it. And then, you know, this past year with COVID, exactly what you said, taking a look in the mirror and really showed me who I become, which is actually, I'll get into that in a second. You know, a lot of people were doing that. And overall, I was fairly happy. But at the same time, it seemed like something was missing. There's more to this. And as I was seeking more and more energy work in different people, Logan, one of our good friends working with her, and I got three, I call them my goddesses at this point. I have like <laughs> six of them, you know, working, doing Reiki or breath work or energy, emotional trauma healing. And I was like, man, everything was working and I felt lighter and just more in the moment and more gratitude, but there still felt, and I can't even describe it. There just felt like there was still anchors holding me down. Mm. And I and I assumed that it was past trauma, even though I worked on a lot of stuff, but couldn't quite put my finger on it and just figure out oh, one day, you know, it'll probably just disappear. Well, during that process, it was probably in towards the end of last year, let's say November, and ayahuasca popped up again, you know, in my life and just randomly heard about it. I'm like, okay, that's like the third or fourth time now within a couple of years. And then I, I found a documentary, I think it was on Netflix, and it was about this retreat down in Costa Rica. And it was talking about this, you know, very successful businessman kind of went through the typical story of, you know, he had this business, made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, made a lot of money again. And he was sexting and drugging and alcoholing and all these things. And no matter how many cars he had or how many houses or how many girlfriends he had, it didn't matter. He was still in this place of being stuck. Now, my experience wasn't nearly as crazy as that, but I 
really resonated with me the stuck part. And he was doing a lot of different things, but was still stuck, which I know a lot of people are. And so I watched the the documentary. I'm like, well, that's, and they talked a little bit about the place I went to. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So then I started looking it up and read more about the guy who started it. And I was like, yeah, I think this is it. And still not even really knowing what ayahuasca is at this mm-hmm. point in time. And then because of COVID, you know, it was a little delayed. And then getting into this new year, there was just a switch. And I spent New Year's Eve all alone, all by myself. And I was happy. And because my mindset was, this year is all about me. And I and I don't say that in a selfish way. I say that in a very deep way about myself. And it seemed right taking in the new year. And ever since the, you know, the first of this year, it was like consciously taking a second and, and focusing on me. And is this going to better my life? And in a lot of ways, better what I'm doing because of the business and whatnot. And I think it was, you know, beginning of February, I'm like, I'm going to that retreat. Just like that. Didn't know anything about it. Went on, called them, booked it two weeks later. And boom, I'm in Costa Rica. Right. So now the fun part, you get there. And I'm just happy. I'm like, this is gonna be great. I'm I'm putting in even above and beyond effort to focus on me and and get me to the next level. So I was very excited about that. You get to this very beautiful resort. You know, it's a little bit higher end, and and you're ready to go. You check in. You know, I think night one I, we did a breathwork class, which I've done breathwork before. But, you know, 10 minutes in, you're bawling your eyes out. You got all these emotions coming up and you're like, I didn't even do any medicine yet. Like, what is going on here? And, you know, the girl next to me is from Ohio. She's bawling. She's like, what is going on? And and that was the start of an, a, a crazy, incredible week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing I really loved about Rhythmia was the full integration of what they're doing there. They have classes, you know, during the day that is really teaching you about the medicine, but teaching you about, you know, how to incorporate it into your self-work. You got breath work and you got yoga. You got a super, super clean menu. You got some activities just on site. I actually also did uh, stem cell IV while I was there, just kind of for a full flush as well. And then, of course, you have the medicine. So the medicine... To me, I've always been very intrigued by native people to different areas and and the health and wellness that they had way back when and the technologies they used. So I love the fact that this was also a very ceremonial and you have your shaman and you have all your shaman helpers and then you have a lot of other helpers and they're blessing the medicine. They're using smoke and sacred oils and all of these things and with all of the music and it's this whole process and then you go in to uh, four different ceremonies specifically with rhythmia monday tuesday wednesday thursday again really no idea what to expect you go up you get two different cups you know you go up for the first one and about an hour and a half later you get another one and you're in what's called the maloka which is basically this big huge room it's kind of like a teepee vaulted ceilings and you have your own little mattress you know blanket throw up bucket because they you tend to purge and I'll get into that in a second. And then you had 45 other people plus all the helpers. So it's a little bit like, what am I doing? I'm in Costa Rica. I just took this medicine from this guy that's going to go all this stuff. And you're like, did I lose my mind? Right. <laughs> and you know, it took about an hour for me before the medicine really kicked in. And for that first hour, I'm laying there and I'm all set. You know, I'm doing a lot of my own breath work. I'm doing a lot of the energy, you know, talking that I commonly do to disconnect, you know, any energetic cords and all those good things. And I'm like, man, I don't, I feel really relaxed. I don't know if this is doing anything or what's going to happen. And literally, as I said that, my eyes are closed. It's dark now. It's probably about nine o'clock, dead silent, no music yet. A literal asteroid comes into the building through the window blows up and all these little minions go running everywhere i'm like oh i think it's working (laughs) right so not to get too in detail of all the different things but you know that it really went into almost like a carnival i mean the visions i saw were the most brilliant colors it was like a chinese firework set for like an hour straight And it was just unreal. And that's with my eyes closed and open. And what I realized, and they call her Mother Ayahuasca, it's a her. 
that she was very, very respectful. So I could literally be like, oh, you know, I was getting hot. I was getting a little anxiety. I'm like, oh, can I take a break with the visions? And she'd go and turn them off. And I was like, what? Did it really just do that? And I could be like, oh, can you turn up the music? The music would go up. And I was taking my pulse, you know, I'm like, oh, can you drop my heart rate by five? And it literally dropped by five. It is the craziest thing. Obviously, you know, other drugs you can't, that doesn't work that way, right? And the way they described how the medicine works to some extent, the medicine has a very, very high frequency and then human frequency is a lot lower. And so for the first, you know, hour or so that it's doing its work, it's literally going into every part of your body and it's trying to raise your frequency up to the medicine. And so that's where all the visions can come from and the, the shaking and the, the sweating and the anxiety and all that. And then basically how the shaman describes it is that it will wear you down. So as you are fatigued and wear down, that's when the medicine can go in super deep and start doing the energy and the emotional trauma healing. And lo and behold, after my whole carnival and all that stuff, you know, they called us up for cup two and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to do this all over again. Right. I'm like, I'm already like worn out. So I take cup two, I go lay down and within 10, 15 minutes, it immediately went into like deep, deep, deep emotional work for me. Right. Mm. And right as that, I was surrendering to it. I just was kind of like, I'm done. It, it did its own thing. I feel like the first round of it, I was more conscious kind of working with it. And the second round, it was like, I'm just along for the ride. And shortly after that second one, I had what they call cosmic surgery, little silver alien dudes came in, cut my heart out, had surgery on my knee, on my ankle, my shoulder, all big injury places I had. And they zipped it back up. And then, you know, I started seeing DNA helixes replucking out old and bad like DNA strands. And this was for me. And it went all the way back through my ancestral line, like far, far back. And then, you know, the, probably the last thing it really showed me that night one was it was showing my hands glow. And I was like, wow. And I could literally see him with my eyes open and closed. They were glowing. And basically she was showing me how I am a healer, like from a bloodline of healers way back and how I can heal people. And it was showing me specific things that I need to do in order to really use my abilities to, to top level. And, you know, it's so crazy because people are probably thinking this guy's <laughs> lost it. Right. And I'm very logical and analytical. And I'm like, I, it seems so real, so real to the point the next day, it felt like my knee was two weeks out of surgery. I could barely walk. It was so sore. I could barely stand. And it's like, how is that possible? There's nothing I did that would make it like that. But that is very physically real. Not to mention for five days straight, my forehead felt like it was, I had 10 more pounds of brain in there. And I looked it up later on, but they have shown a lot of studies that show ayahuasca really increases your blood perfusion in your frontal lobe. Mm. And that's just, so it is doing a lot of different things on a lot of different levels. And, you know, I could go on for a very long time, but all the different things that happen, but really, you know, what Rhythmia's goal is they have three different phases to what the purpose of is of the medicine and all the stuff they're doing. And the, and the first one I already mentioned a little bit was show me who I am. So when you go into taking the medicine, you're asking the medicine, like, show me who I become, right? So identifying who you are, good or bad, doesn't necessarily matter, but just show me, right? Once you're able to be shown where you're at, the next part is re-emerging my soul. So remember the disassociation mm -hmm. we talked about? It is a firm belief in these ancient cultures and many others that we are born whole, conscious in alignment with subconscious connected to divine source, right? And that's why kids are just playing and if they're sad, they're sad. And the next thing you know, they're happy again, truly connected, right? And then for whatever reason, could be big, could be small, we disassociate. The majority of people spend the most of their life disassociated, trying to figure out the world. Maybe a near-death experience gets them back connected or a religious connection or breathwork, yoga, and all those things you can re-emerge that way as well. And that's what the plant medicine is really supposed to be doing in a short order is 
re-emerging our souls, which I was able to do night one with that process. And then the last part is heal my heart, which I was also able to do with the new heart. And that is basically Rhythmia's way of how to use the plant medicine. Of course, there's a billion different ways to, to use it. And the shaman will say, I've done this 500 times and no one experience is ever the same. So it's endless, right? Again, talking about what we touched on a little earlier is as you're up leveling in the spiritual world, you get there and then it expands and then you go again. <laughs> I feel like we were having this conversation in a high, heightened state, like pretty high conscious thoughts. And then you just like rocket this out to <laughs> outer space with that experience. Yeah. It's um, a couple just thoughts. I was going to ask, I'm glad you touched on it. Like what's the, what's the point of this? And I love how, you tied that in at the end there. And what I'm hearing too is I I make the argument all the time. It's a realization that I've really come to in the past really year, year and a half. Prioritizing myself is actually the most selfless thing that I can do. Yes, And that's something I think people that are healers, that are teachers, that are in a caregiving profession, whether you're a PT, a personal trainer, a teacher, a ICU nurse, it doesn't matter those people are the empaths. They always want to look out after those other people. Yeah. And to do so most efficiently, you have to look after yourself first, which is like a totally flip it on its head yep. way of thinking for the way that we are wired. Yep. And it sounds like this experience helped you further see that connection of like, hey, look, I'm anchoring into me. And in doing so now, I'm able to come back. I'd be curious. You just got back like a week ago, right? Not even? Yeah. How have you already noticed the way that you're showing up differently from that experience in just your day-to-day -day actions? Yeah. I feel like a completely different person, honestly. And and I was on such a good path leading up to going there for the mm -hmm. last couple years, right? Of course, having ups and downs, but really feeling so much more fulfilled, so much more in the moment, so much happier, so much more able to have a little bit better balance in my life. And then you do this experience and I feel like a completely different person. And you could ask any of my staff members, any of my patients and my family, they're like, you're totally different. You're, you're so much brighter. You seemingly so much happier and flowing. So everybody, literally everybody across the board who I've came in contact with are, you're different, you know, in a good way. Right. Yeah. So that's one thing and that you can't really fake that. Now for me, there, there's a lot of different examples. One, it just, it's so much easier for me to be conscious about what I'm doing and literally along the ride with my subconscious to be like, should I do this? Is this going to be good for me or not? Right. And really mm -hmm. having that checks and balance almost with every little thing I'm doing. And I think that's a pretty big flip for me. Um, but truly, truly being in a position where I can say without a doubt, I have unconditional love for myself. And that's one that I, I would say, but I don't think it fully was every part of me. Uh, so that is obviously a huge one, right? Because with a business, with relationships, you know, as an empath, you tend to want to take care of them. And that's the way you get your love for you. Well, mm. if you continuously do that, eventually your cup's empty. And when your cup's empty, you can't really receive love and you can't really give it that well. Right. And that was where I was stuck for a while. And I feel just totally different now. I feel more capable today to be able to show my love or give my love and take care of people all because I have that with me. And it's not like this cup that's eventually going to run dry. It feels like because of that focus on me and, and making some of those life choices, you know, the, whether it's eating healthier, you know, I've been cooking every single day, going for walks. I wake up with the sun every single day now without, doesn't matter what time I go to bed. That's something I've never done in my entire life. So that's definitely because of the medicine. And it just, it, there seems to be a flow to it, you know, mm -hmm. paying more attention just to the world and, and nature and all these things I did before. But I think there's just a, a way of receiving it now that's just different. And, and that's the part of me scientifically, I, I believe in energy and I'm definitely going more and more that route and learning more and more about it. But from a Western, just science side, it's like, how is that possible? 
there's no way that medicine's not in me anymore. Did it, did it actually change brain chemistry and whatnot? And if you talk to a shaman, they say, yes, your brain is different. If you had the heart surgery, you have a new heart. What? But I mean, I can't really argue it at this point in time. Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah, I think it's beautiful, and I'm so glad we got you on the show yeah. after this. <laughs> Not, right. It would have been a fantastic interview, honestly, and sit-down conversation before this experience. But the fact that we got you on the tail end of it, I think, is huge. What I love about that part you just said, energy. Well, we're talking about energy, financials, money, love, happiness. All of it is just a give and take of energy. It is this cycle, exactly. and the better you understand how that cycle works, the better you're easy. I guess the more ease you're able to have it just continuously flow in your life. Right. Rather than it being like always give, give, give. Right. Right. You have to be able to receive on the vice versa side of yes. things. I think it's super cool that this experience provided you what a lot of people are seeking and a lot of people don't realize they're seeking until they're they're hit blindsided with it whether it's you got laid off from what you thought was your dream job and all of a sudden you're like who am i yeah you were you had a kid and i the guy i just recorded with tony reyes last week's episode at this point he was 405 pounds and it wasn't until he had a, a kid that he was able to successfully start losing weight yep. it was one of those eye-opening like anchoring moments yep. of like, look, it's bigger purpose, than you. Purpose, yeah. That purpose is just tenfold, 10 x right. by this kind of event. Yep. So it's cool that this event provided that right. for you. Yeah, you know, and they, they have so many experiences of, they have a 90, I think 5% success rate, meaning whatever someone went there to accomplish and then some, 95% of the time is successful. And there's 8,000 some people that have gone through there. And not like I'm doing a promotion for Arrhythmia, but they're the number one place in the world on TripAdvisor. Out of any place, do, hotels in Dubai, number one, to go to a place where you're going to throw up and do all these different things is <laughs> just mind-blowing. But really it speaks for... And not, and not just Rhythmia, but the whole process, the integration, the breath work, the yoga, the mindfulness, and yes, the plant medicine, I think. And you can do all these things without the plant medicine. Mm. To me, I, I tend to look at life as a video game in some sense, and there's cheat codes without, you know, throughout the game, right? Mm. You know, eat healthy, cheat code, work out, cheat code, right? You know, have a good community, deep, meaningful relationships, cheat codes to be happy, right? And I think the plant medicine is without a doubt a, a cheat code directly from God. He knew and Mother Ayahuasca knew that one day we would be in this place where Western society is very, very sick. The, the, the man has believed and does believe that we are the end all be all. And that this is a way that we can connect back to nature, connect back with ourselves and truly heal ourselves, which will truly heal the world over time. And I think that's what ayahuasca is. It's a cheat code to help expedite your path. I think I could got to where I am today, but look, it, it took me five years to get up to this point. And then I do ayahuasca and I feel like, boom, like if I would have done it five years ago, I don't even know. I don't even know where I'd be at today. And that's what I think it can do for a lot of different people. And even if you're not necessarily wanting to go that extreme, there is so much that you can do. And it starts with having a great community, surrounding yourself with people that truly do unconditionally love you for you and not the titles. And having that community be able to practice breath work yoga, meditation, all the things that we've been talking about, those are all things that can really help you reemerge your soul and be connected again and, and, and fill your cup. Yeah. I think I love that. Cause it's, yeah, you don't need to go on this expansive retreat and take some psychedelic medicine to right. feel those things in the slightest. Will it level you up a lot faster? Possibly at a 95% success I mean, rate, I think apparently. so, but yeah, <laughs> but if that's like too far out there for you, I totally get it. I know for a lot of people that might not have been introduced to this way of thinking, this side of the spiritual world, they're probably thinking right now like, oh my God, Lug these out. guys have lost it. Like <laughs> yeah. this is by far the most spiritually in-depth conversation we've had on the show. Yeah. And I'm better for it. So I appreciate you sharing your my experience pleasure. and I hope 
those listening in have at least opened their mind to some different things. Yeah. Whether it's taking plant medicine or doing just a little bit more mindfulness, like we mentioned earlier, the walking meditation, the the yoga. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. Something's better than nothing. And really taking that holistic approach. Is, yeah. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. I got a few que- more questions yeah. for you. The one being, how would you describe the athletic mindset? And what does that mean to you personally? Yeah. The athletic mindset is, as you know as well, it is a very different beast. You know, it often is one track and one track only, right? And that is goal-oriented and putting in the work in order to reach that goal. And a lot of ways, we know that's very good. It's very good in the, the Western world, especially because business-oriented, getting a house or getting a car, right? Like having that mindset when you can super focus in on it, you can be successful, right? Now, the, the the athletic mind is more than that to me as well because there's a team aspect. You, you're developing a lot of community-type skills. Being a part of a team, you, you, you take care of your brother or your sister in order to better the team. And being a leader on that team teaches you a lot of values that are obviously carry over into the world. So the athletic mindset is one that I love. I mean, it's it's something that I've been a part of and I'm so grateful for even when I was a, a kid. It teaches you so many different skills as being a, a good person. I think the, the near future, and you're seeing it already, some of the top athletes, when you're asking a Tom Brady or you're asking some of these other high, high level athletes they're going more into the spiritual energetic realms nowadays than talking about what supplement to take, which is still a part of it. Yeah. And I think the athlete of the future is definitely going to be ingraining a lot more of what we talked about today. And that is why, you know, every professional athlete that comes in, we get them on that track and, and start to teach them being in the zone and on fire because it, the, the athletic mindset is so expansive. Right. And, and to be honest, every human's mindset is so expansive. It's really just believing in yourself and that you do have the capabilities of having an athletic mindset or any other mindset. Yeah. I love it. I, I love the balance there that you touched on too. I think oftentimes we hear the athletic mindset. We think of very masculine, like let's push onwards. We got to get really gritty and all those things. And don't get me wrong. They serve these top athletes. They serve, former athletes, forever athletes, whatever you want to identify yourself right. as, they serve them really, really well. Yep. But there's downside to that as well. You have to have that balance in it. And I love where I think modern athletes are going and into the future. I mean, Logan, our mutual friend, treats the players of Rob Gronkowski's and Tom Brady's of yep. the world. And yep. it's like, that was super cool to me to hear like, oh, like beyond TB12 diet, like he's also doing right. this energy cleansing, yes. healing. I was like, what? Why isn't that being talked about? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know it's it's out there a little bit. I think there's just a lot of stigmatism to it, and yeah. maybe the lack of understanding. You know, but I I think in the near future that won't be as stigmatized. And you know, a lot of in my exposure to a little bit getting to know more CEOs and different business people, a lot of them have energy practices, or they have their own shaman, or they have their own emotional trauma healer. And you're like, really? You know, so it's out there. I think it's just not as mainstream as one would think it should be. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I just, like I said, you from Michigan, me moving from Maryland out this way, I'm like, what the heck is going on here? It's like, what's in the water in LA? And I think there's a reason why those high, high achievers, they're onto something. Right. It's their secret sauce. Yeah. And if you're out there listening and you're you're not at least dabbling in this kind of world, I, I definitely encourage that you to do so because it, it can be eye-opening and expansive. Yeah. And yeah. look, if the top performers are doing it, right. it might be worth checking out. Yeah. Like, there's something to it yeah. at this point. Definitely. I got the fast five for you here right. before we wrap things up. It's five questions, one word, one sentence answers. Okay. First one being, what's your go-to podcast that no one's heard of? Oof. Go-to podcast that no one's heard of. You know, to be honest, I don't listen to that many podcasts. <laughs> I tend to read a lot more or, or listen to books on, you know, audio. 
go to goodness i you know i have a couple fusion wellness is is a a friend of mine actually out of huntington she's been doing it for about a year and it's a lot of spiritual energy stuff and she's a clairvoyant and if you Mm -hmm. don't know what a clairvoyant is she can actually speak to dead people and energies and she's very connected she's had a, a kind of a crazy life herself but has been full circle and and really ingrains what we've been talking about and she's taught me so much so that's one that you know i tend to just click on hers every now and then and pull little nuggets left and right you know so that's probably one that most people haven't heard of because it's very very tiny but <laughs> i learn a lot from it so it's a good one so i'm saying anything that you can learn from and bring value from i think is worth checking out yeah perfect that you read a lot because next question is what's your favorite book in the last year last year and i've read a lot but i'm gonna go with untethered soul it, it is man it's a tough one because every sentence there's like so much in there and you're trying to like hang on to it because it's going to lead into the next one and it will definitely be a book that i read you know 10 times if i had to say in a generation power verse force was mm. the the, the foundation of me starting this entire journey over the last five years. I love it. I love that question because I'm an avid reader myself yeah. and my bookshelf is overflowing now yeah. because of suggestions. Yeah. So I'll have to check both those out. Yes. What is a quote you live by? Hmm. Quote I live by. You know, I have a lot of different ones, but if I were to just say a descriptor is, is – unconditional love for myself. And I know it's not necessarily a quote, but it's something that you need to tell yourself every day. And it is something that is very hard at first to even fully grasp what it means. But once you do, and you're able to remind yourself that little line every day, it, it makes everything so much better. And it, again, allows me to be in the moment and really kind of set myself up for whatever I'm doing. Yeah. Present moment focus is yeah. huge yeah. for high performers out there. Yeah. What's one thing that you can't live without? It's number four. One thing I can't live without. My, my spiritual practice, honestly. And there's not one thing apart uh, from everything else, but just the, and I, when you were mentioning it earlier about the way to, to live and, and if, you know, these top people are doing it, you should probably look into it. I can say once you fully surrender and you go into it, there is no going back. And that is something I could not imagine my life anymore without my spiritual practice. Love it. Love it. Changing the world because of it too. (laughs) Number five, last one. What's your one word focus at this point in time? One word focus would have to be, I'm going to go with gratitude because It's something, you know, I've always been grateful, but again, I think it's fully absorbing it. Mm. Gratitude for myself. And again, compliments have not been something I've been very good at receiving. And I feel like finally I'm in a place to be grateful for so much, but at the core of it, grateful for myself. I'm going to give you a compliment because Chad, I thoroughly have enjoyed this conversation and it's been super insightful for me and i know people listening there i just want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing it isn't easy to be kind of a front runner a pioneer in especially the healthcare profession and try to bring these more out there medicine ways into the western culture and what we're doing over here in the states i think what you're doing is really revolutionary what's kind of the thing that you're working on right now and where can those listening in keep up with the progress or just keep up with what you got going on? Sure. Well, thank you very much. I also uh, really value this time and I'm very grateful for this conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And same thing for you, you know, it's hats off to everything that you're doing and and, uh, again, developing the community to truly have a movement going forward is exactly what I am focusing on right now, specifically repair sports Institute is my medical health and wellness center in Huntington Beach. It is a collaborative system of the Western world merging with the Eastern, truly healing mind, body, and spirit. That is my main focus right now, but there is a lot of expansiveness going on the Eastern side of things 
Repair Sports Institute, you know, repairsi.com. That's our website. You can check us out on social media. But really over the next six months, be be ready. There's there's just a lot around the corner. I don't necessarily know all of those answers, but I'm going to continue my travels over the next six months. And I have a feeling there is going to be a lot of cosmic movement for what's taking place. And I do strongly believe that I will be a part of this new community that is developing, you know, around me every single day. So I'm very, very excited. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking of what's to come. <laughs> yes. It's it's all exciting things. Chad, thanks again, man, yes, sir. for your time. I appreciate you. And that's all we got. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate you taking the time to listen today. Chad isn't afraid to shake things up from the traditional norms and in the process has gotten some amazing results. It's a good reminder that if you want to change the world, you can't be afraid to shake things up a little bit here. Share this episode with a friend, a family member, or a teammate who could benefit from Chad's story and his wisdom. Remember, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life. One thought followed by one action at a time. I will see you all on Monday.